Hi, I'm Tamina, gender equality activist and sales professional at a global technology company. When I graduated from college in 2017, I was struggling to figure out how adulting works. School did not properly prepare me for some of the most basic things that my young professional life would eventually throw at me. If this sounds familiar, please join me on this journey to empower young women who are, just like myself, still in search of a fulfilling, purpose-driven life. Welcome to FemHive. Hi, everyone. Before we dive into this week's episode, I have some exciting news to share. Based on popular demand, my free Personal Finances 101 for Young Professionals webinar is finally live and available to each and every one of you. If you want to learn how I was able to save $50,000 in only two years on a moderate five-figure salary and how you can change your money mindset in order to retire as a multimillionaire, then this webinar is for you. The feedback from past attendees has been incredible, so let me read out a few of the testimonials that have come my way. Elizabeth said, I found it so insightful to learn what's working well for you in terms of managing your finances, and I can't wait to put it into practice when I hopefully start working after I graduate. Brad said, you have changed my outlook on personal savings and finance. Sarah says, I wanted to thank you again for the webinar. It came at the perfect moment for me. I recently started my first real job and was going to take the holidays to figure out my financial situation now that I have a steady income. I turned on automatic deposits already and am figuring out which stock apps to use next. Jenna said, thank you. So insightful. Dimitri said, Thank you so much, Tamina. This was eye-opening. Wow, I'm so glad that this webinar has been so useful for quite a few people already, and I want the rest of you to benefit as well. So if you want to take control of your financial future, head over to femhive.com, all in one word, and sign up for my free webinar. I would also love to hear from you, so tag me at femhive.com dot hive on instagram while you're watching the webinar and let me know what your biggest takeaways were happy watching and now let's dive into this week's episode enjoy welcome back ladies on this week's episode i am joined by lucy milligan wall lucy is the founder of lmw edits a professional organization company based in san francisco Lucy founded LMW Edits LLC in 2014 to bring common sense organizing solutions to modern urban living. She believes that an organized home is the foundation of a beautiful life that prioritizes the relationships, activities, and commitments that matter most. Personally, Lucy is no stranger to organization. She arranged every crayon box she ever owned into rainbow order and has conducted semi annual closet edits since the age of 14. Lucy holds an AB from Princeton University and an MBA from the UCLA Anderson School of Management. Hi, Lucy. Welcome to FemHive. It's really good to have you. Thank you, Tamina, so much for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, I'm really looking forward to our conversation uh, today. So um, maybe just to give our listeners a bit of a background on how we met Lucy. Um, so you messaged me online and pitched the idea of doing an episode on how to organize your living space. And 
I was immediately intrigued because you were arguing that our physical space truly supports all of our other goals. Lucy, please tell us more. Absolutely. So yeah, I think of the physical space as a way to sort of nudge you into doing the things that you already want to be doing. So for example, if something that you want to do is go to bed earlier every night, then you would want to set up your nightstand and your bed to support that goal with the things that you need and the tools you need to do that. So that's, to me, that's what home organizing is. It's, it's, knowing what you want in life, what's important to you, what you're passionate about, and then arranging your your physical space to support that. Oh, I love that. And we're going to dig a little bit deeper on how to, to do that in the most efficient um, and supportive manner later on. But Lucy, you didn't start your career as a professional organizer. You actually used to work in fundraising at Stanford University. What inspired you to found LMW Edits? Well, so I went from working at Stanford, which was wonderful, to my uh, MBA program at UCLA, which was also an amazing experience. Um, And I noticed while I was there that I was surrounded by incredibly brilliant people who were really passionate about the projects they were working on. But I also got to see some of their apartments, and I was sort of surprised at how people were able to function at such a high level in a space that, speaking of what we were just talking about, just really was not supporting their goals. And I thought, this is why I'm even able to be here. An organized space is my secret weapon. It lets me play at this level with these really, really smart people. Um, So when I had graduated and I was looking for something to do, I was thinking, you know what? I, I can start a business around this. I can become a professional organizer. I can share my secret weapon with other, you know, passionate, hardworking professionals who are just trying to get ahead. I I really love that. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, my time back at Duke. So I went to undergrad at, at Duke and there was awesome. also, <laughs> thank you. I, I was, I was surrounded by, you know, equally smart and driven people. So sometimes definitely had, you know, some imposter syndrome experiences there. Um, but I felt like, you know, my, my passion for learning and for growth and, and my strong desire to execute really allowed me to, to keep up with all of these other people whom I consider to be just a lot smarter than myself. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, I, I can definitely relate to what you're just saying about, you know, taking advantage of, of your secret weapon, which in, in your individual case was being organized. So, so that's great. And that you were able to, to really, you know, identify that as, as a pain point for highly ambitious people and build a business around that is, is fantastic. Um, and Lucy, you know, let's be honest, like most people, I totally binge watched the home edit on Netflix <laughs> when it came out last summer. And it was so satisfying. I mean, I have to admit, I'm not the most organized and, you know, cleanest person, but it was still an incredible experience to 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 follow those two ladies around um, organizing people's homes. And, you know, prior to that show coming out, I didn't even know professional organizing was a thing. Just curious, in in what ways has the show impacted your business, Lucy? 
Well, it has impacted, of course, because the show and other shows like it, for example, uh, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, which also came out a couple years ago, um, it gets people talking about home organizing and it helps people understand what it might be like if they hired a professional organizer. So it's been great for me. It just gives me a a way that I can quickly and easily connect with people. And the other thing that, that it helps me do is differentiate myself. So I don't work in exactly the same way as the home edit ladies do. Um, I think their work is amazing and it's great. And I'm super proud of them and everything they've done for the industry. Um, but my work is a little bit different. And so I'm able to say, oh, you've seen the home edit. Okay. Here's the way in which it's similar, uh, when you work with me and here are the ways in which it's different. So it helps me just really set up what I do and help people understand it. Hmm. That that's wonderful. And, you know, I'm sure there, there is now uh, an evolving community around professional organizing and um i definitely remember you know my dad got really into into Marie Kondo that was you know mm-hmm. years ago and i walked into his his bedroom one day and he was just there like looking at at his clothes being like does this bring me joy <laughs> yes or no and if no then like thank you for serving me literally like bowing down to it thank you for serving me and then tossing it away into the donation box so um i still yeah. vividly re- remember that so that was definitely also the first experience i i had or the first exposure i had to to professional organizing um so yeah it's it's, it's definitely an interesting space and so lucy you're you're also mentioning just now that your approach is a bit different compared to what um the home edit ladies um mm-hmm. Are, are doing what is your unique approach to organizing and how is it different from all the other organizers out there well uh when i approach an organizing project my number one goal out of everything else is to make that person or that family's life easier usually when people contact me they're really they're overwhelmed and they're fed up with how they're living in their home. They know that there's something wrong and they don't know how to fix it. And so my number one goal is to make life easier. So I approach everything from that lens. So if somebody says to me, you know, I want it to look like this, or I want it to be in Roy G. Biv order, which is what the home edit ladies like to do. Like I can do that, but that comes way at the end. At the beginning, we just really talk about what stuff people need and how we're going to store it and how we're going to move through the home so that they can live a, just an easier, less stressful life. Um, so I just approach everything from a very practical perspective. So that's a slight difference. I mean, most professional organizers are very practical, but it's just a question of what you emphasize more. Um, and then the other thing that's a little bit different is I work with most of my clients on FaceTime or Zoom. Um, it, this is something that I've started doing since the start of the pandemic, and it actually works really well. I love it because it allows me to empower people to change their own lives and make a really big impact. And it's also um, a little bit less of a a commitment for the client because it's a little less expensive and it takes a little less time um, with me as the organizer. So that's been something that I've discovered during the pandemic and it's, it's a different approach and I've been really enjoying it. Yeah, I can only imagine. And that's that's super handy for those people to just be able to schedule a FaceTime or Zoom call with you. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, watching the home edit and the majority of their clients were, you know, the Kardashians, Eva Longoria, <laughs> you know, all these high profile clients. Right. Um, so I can imagine that that gets expensive, especially when they have to fly out their entire you know, crew and, and yes. do all of that. So, um, yeah, definitely probably easier to, to, to implement, um, on, on a budget for sure. Um, yeah. so <laughs> Lucy, let, let, let's actually get to the juicy stuff because 
Obviously, I want to get all the organization tips from you as the expert, but let's start out with what are the most common mistakes that people make when they are trying to get organized? Tell me more. <laughs> sure. So the number one thing people do is they'll go out and buy containers. <laughs> and that is something that we do, but we do it at the end of the process. We don't start with the containers. We start with the stuff. So if you're thinking, I'm going to get organized, and you go pull up the container store website, that you're already on the wrong track, unfortunately. I joke around with my clients that I do not let them go to the container store unsupervised because there's just so many shiny, pretty things that make you feel like you could get your whole life in order, and but without a good in-depth knowledge of how things work and, and what stuff with, it can get out of hand really quickly. So most common mistake definitely is um, buying containers first. And the other thing that I wanted to share with you, um, that especially for younger people may be sort of surprising is I've been in houses of all sizes. I mean, I've literally worked in a 250 square foot studio apartment. I've literally worked in a giant mansion, everything in between. And every single person tells me, oh my God, it's so hard. I don't have enough storage. And so to me, what that says is it's not about the storage. It's about calibrating your lifestyle to the space that you live in appropriately, because there will never be enough storage in the world. So, you know, when people say, oh, I need more storage, that's another really common mistake. Because the fact is you don't need more storage. You need less stuff. You need to curate your collection to fit inside your own living space. That is so, so funny, Lucy. You know, like <laughs> someone who, who has like a mega mansion is complaining about the lack of, of, of space and, and storage room. That's just hilarious 100%. to me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, look, if you're living in a tiny studio apartment in Manhattan, I feel like I in that case, I can empathize with you, mm -hmm. you know, uh, <laughs> living in a mansion and complaining. Oh, man, that's just that's just really, really um, hilarious. But yeah, it. it it seems like as if, you know, the, the the room that you have available is not the problem. It's more like the mindset that people have and yeah. and how they go about prioritizing what's really important to them because accumulating stuff is easy, right? Getting yes. rid of it and, and and ensuring that your living space supports all of your goals. That's that's the, the problem that most people are running into. So um, yeah, and that's where, where you come in. <laughs> and, and so you're already um, alluding to that a little bit um, just now, Lucy. You know, most of our listeners are indeed young, ambitious, career-driven women in their early to mid-20s. And in your pitch to me, you were actually mentioning that you have a lot of clients who are in their 20s. Tell me, Lucy, what's so special about that demographic and how can we as, you know, young people set up our living space in a way that supports our unique lifestyle and our goals? Yeah, uh, I love working with clients in their late 20s, early 30s, because, you know, I can get to them before they get too set in their ways to change. Um, and I, I've noticed that, and so I'm, for disclosure purposes, I'm in my late 30s. And so I'm technically still a millennial. And what I have sort of hypothesized about the millennial generation is because we were children of working parents, that there wasn't a lot of knowledge transfer about basic homemaking and home organizing skills. You know, we didn't get home ec, but we didn't, and we didn't get a replacement for that. And our parents were really busy. And so 
frankly, people in their 20s, they just haven't learned these skills in general. And it's not their fault. You know, I, I always tell people that organizing is not a personality trait. It's not something you're born with. It's not, you know, an, you have it or you don't type of thing. Organizing is a set of very simple skills that anyone can learn. And so when you think about it that way, it's like, okay, well, I just need to learn how to do this. It doesn't mean I'm a failure as a person that I'm not organized yet. It just means that I need to learn a couple of basic skills and start implementing them. Um, and the nice thing about getting organized is once you start to see some success, you really, really enjoy it. And then you start to do want to do a little bit more. So it snowballs on itself in a really positive way. Um, but yeah, to set up a living space for your unique lifestyle and goals in your 20s, it's about thinking about what's important to you. So if your friendships are important to you and you want to make sure that you stay connected with people and you know, maybe after the pandemic, you want to have people over to your house, then making sure you have the kind of things that you need to host somebody and that's organized in a way that your home is welcoming to somebody. Um, if, you know, your work is central to your to your life, of course, as you're trying to build your career, so making sure that you have a workspace, especially now in your apartment, that really enables your productivity instead of stunting it. So making sure that you have a good ergonomic setup, everything you need at your fingertips, no clutter in your workspace, really making that something that supports all of your work and your goals. That can be a really great thing to do in your 20s as well. Mm, I love that. Do you, do you maybe have like um, a particular client in mind, um, someone who, who is in their 20s, who just did a great job at embracing their process or, or at embracing your process and has now seen some significant improvements in their day-to-day -day life due to the changes that um, you helped them implement? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm thinking of a couple I worked with, actually. They were in their late 20s, um, dating but not yet engaged or married, and they had just moved in together. And it was sort of like they had sort of been coasting along in their previous apartments alone. And once they came together, they sort of sat up and realized they had no framework for negotiating where to put stuff and how to store it. And so I really helped them get clear on what they were, what they were trying to do and what they wanted their home together going forward to look like, which is a huge, it's a huge process, right? When you combine households, there can be a lot of conflict, there can be disagreements, but they, they just knew that they didn't even have the first clue where to start. And so I could help them really think about that process um, with a, with a clean slate and just help them figure out what was important to them. And something that came up for them that I think comes up for a lot of people in their 20s is that their parents keep trying to show them love by giving them stuff. And there's this interesting generational discrepancy where the parents likely live in a suburb in a sort of larger house, not necessarily a mansion, but they've got a little more space. And so they don't think about stuff. Whereas this couple and many people in their 20s were living in a small apartment in the middle of the city. They didn't have a garage. They don't have an attic. They don't have extra rooms. And so every little present that the parents would send these clients, they would just become overwhelmed and go, oh my God, what am I going to do with this? I don't want to make my mom mad, but I, I don't have space for this. Like this isn't working for me. And so helping them think through how to manage that relationship and to, you know, acknowledge that their parents were showing them love, but trying to communicate that that method of showing love is not the most helpful when you're young and you're in a small space. Um, so that was really impactful for them. And, you know, it's, it's not that suddenly miraculously their mom stopped sending them presents. It was like they had a strategy for how to deal with that kind of stuff when it came in. 
I I love that, and I particularly love the example of you know a a young couple in their late twenties because I can actually relate to that so so much because you know for for twenty twenty one um moving in with my partner is definitely on the horizon for us <laughs> and um, exactly. yeah yeah and this is gonna be the first time that either one of us is gonna live with um their respective partner right so um. You know, it's it's gonna be interesting because I do feel like there is gonna be lots of potential for for conflict as well yeah. because we don't necessarily share, you know, the same taste in furniture. We both have accumulated so much stuff over the years. We both also use our our parents' homes to kind of you know just like drop off stuff here and there mm-hmm. and 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 use their their attics and their their basements it's as storage so i i can definitely empathize with with that client couple of yours um, <laughs> it's 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 gonna be interesting so so maybe we'll we're gonna have to hire you lucy to to, <laughs> to mediate because i feel like it's gonna Absolutely. be it's gonna be um a bit challenging but then something else that also came to mind you know especially people who who are in their 20s um we for the most part not that i want to generalize but for the most part we're very career driven and we don't have children yet right so we're more inclined to also move around like not only from city to city but oftentimes from coast to coast or even mm-hmm. from country to country you know so then comes the question okay what 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 stuff is actually essential to my day-to-day what what adds value to my life um because you know you cannot just like move around with a bunch of stuff right you need to really prioritize like what what's what's your advice for people who are more like you know globe trotters and not afraid (laughs) to to move around a lot (laughs) i would say yeah exactly what you're saying identifying what really is essential i mean i I personally, uh, pre-pandemic at least, traveled a lot. I've lived in different countries myself. And and so um, I'm not a minimalist. I don't think that you need to necessarily be able to grab a backpack and go on to your next mission. That's, that's something that works for some people, but it's a fairly extreme approach. I do think, though, that you have to ask yourself the question of each individual thing that you own. What What is this adding to my life? How does this make me feel? Does this, does this you know really benefit me? Do I use this? Um, And I think there's so much that we do by default, especially in your 20s when you don't necessarily have the budget for buying a lot of stuff. So you tend to inherit and grab free stuff wherever you can. Um, And then you sort of bring it all with you by default. And the idea of getting rid of stuff sometimes seems counterintuitive because you're like, well, I can't afford to replace any of this. So it seems dangerous to let it go. But if you reframe to think about is this actual thing really adding to my life or is it just weighing me down? Then you can start to make some good decisions. Um, and I do tend to take a less is more approach. And for most people, I recommend being a little more critical than you have been about the stuff that you keep, because um, as you said earlier, it's much easier to get stuff than it is to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Maybe a follow-up question to that, Lucy, because the one thing I struggle with the most are, you know, sentimental pieces, mm-hmm. like gifts from family, friends, like even, you know, 
Christmas and 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 birthday cards, you know, because people put in some effort and and were trying to show me their love. But you know, I am twenty six years old now, so how long can I really hang on to all of those cards and all those like small tokens of appreciation, especially when I'm moving around quite a bit? What what strategy? do you have for for those people like myself who have trouble letting go of sentimental pieces? Sure. So when we're talking about gifts, I would say um, it's important to separate the act of gift giving from the object. So the act of gift giving occurred when the person gave you the thing and you opened it up and you, you knew that you were being thought of and you said thank you and they were so happy because you were happy. That already happened. The gift giving happened. So now you have the objects. You have to consider the object on its own merits. Is this something that you like? Is this something you use? Is this something that adds to your life? And if it doesn't, it's okay to get rid of it. It doesn't diminish the fact that you had that wonderful gift-giving experience. The, the only time when I would tell somebody to hold on to something they don't really like that was a gift is if they have pretty good evidence that the person who gave it to them will notice that they no longer have it and be hurt by that. Um, actually rarer than you think. If you ask most people, like ask yourself, what do you think, what would you think if a friend of yours got rid of something you gave her two or three years ago? You'd probably be like, sure, fine, whatever. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, it's, it's being really realistic about the emotions that are attached to things versus what's just an object. Um, with parents, things can be a little bit dicey because you you might see them and they might notice that you're not wearing that sweater they gave you or something. So that can be a little bit of a gray area. But in general, I don't think that it's productive for people to hold on to gifts just because they were gifts. And in terms of um, sort of other sentimental items, the reason we keep these sentimental items is because the memories are so important to us. So it's important to figure out a way that you can hold on to the memory without necessarily needing to cart all these objects with you. So whether that means making a scrapbook, whether that means taking pictures of things and creating a photo album on your phone, there are ways where you can keep those memories alive in your daily life without needing to be burdened by all this stuff. And as I tell my clients, especially some of my older clients, quite honestly, if you've just got a box in a storage unit or a closet somewhere full of your memories, you might as well have thrown them away for how accessible they are to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, first of all, mental note, never throw anything away that my in-laws gave to me, because uh, <laughs> especially uh, mother-in-law uh, will notice for sure. So that's that's mental note number one. But then I love what you're saying about, you know, that, I guess, psychological act of differentiating between the gift-giving process and and the actual object, because I never thought of it as two separate things to me that was always like very much intertwined right so mm-hmm. now you are challenging me to to separate those two so i i might have to try this out and and apply this in my actual um life because i have a feeling that that might actually help me a lot so thank you for that lucy oh, <laughs> yeah, let's know how it goes for sure Oh yeah, no, we'll do for sure. I, I've again, I have so much stuff, so um, I will keep you posted on that. Cool. <laughs> um, but then maybe a more you know basic question, Lucy, because we're already talking about some of your clients, you know, um, people in in their mid to 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 late twenties. But who should even hire a professional organizer in the first place? Is it everyone? And what makes a great organizing client? 
Um, so someone should hire a professional organizer if they are not happy with their home and they feel like just everyday life is a little bit more hard than it has to be. Like you can't find things and you feel like there's stuff everywhere. And the important piece is that you aren't sure how you're going to fix that. If you don't know how to fix it, that's when you want to hire a professional. It's kind of like anything else in the world. Like, can you get organized on your own? You absolutely can. Again, these are simple skills that anyone can learn. It's not rocket science. The question is, will you? Um, so there are some people who can read uh, an organizing book like um, Marie Kondo's Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, and then they can go ahead and implement that. And that's fantastic. That person doesn't need to hire a professional organizer. But I will tell you that a lot of my clients, I find an unread copy of that book on their shelf <laughs> as we're organizing. And so if you've, if you've bought a book or you've watched some YouTube videos and you've read some articles and you're really excited by the possibility, but you just can't seem to get started, that's when you might want to think about hiring a professional organizer because a large part of the value that we offer to you is just keeping you going through the project, just making sure that you actually get to that end point where you've got organizing systems set up and you feel like you're in control. Um, and then the, uh, the other thing is that a great organizing client is someone who is willing to change. So getting organized will involve you getting rid of some stuff. It will involve things moving around in your living space. It will involve you changing some habits and patterns that you have. And so if you are open to that, then you would be a great professional organizing client. If you're not there yet, you may want to do a little more soul searching and a little more investigating about what exactly kind of solutions might work for you before you try hiring a professional. Gotcha. So what I'm hearing there is, you know, a professional organizer doesn't necessarily have to plant the seed, right? For for the most part, and I'm assuming that's the case for, for a lot of your clients, like they've been wanting to, to make changes to their living spaces mm -hmm. for probably quite some time, maybe even a couple of years, but it's really about pulling the trigger. And I mean, let's be real, when you also invest some money in in, in something yeah. like a professional organizer, that's usually a great motivation to, to get started and to also add some form of accountability, right? So um, yes. that that's, that's, that's wonderful to hear. So in that sense, I can really see you as kind of like a organizing therapist right because at the end of the day you're really helping people to get their life back together and really you know improve their living spaces which and then in return will probably have significant um positive impact on 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 their mental health as as well which is which is wonderful <laughs> yeah absolutely i often will have clients say that they feel like a great weight has been lifted off their shoulders, or they've even had clients tell me they feel like they've lost weight, <laughs> which is kind of an amazing metaphor for the for the toll that clutter takes on us in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And I feel like the older I get, the more I can relate. I mean, again, I'm only 26, so... I haven't accumulated like a life's worth of stuff just yet, but uh, even, you know, at this young age, I already feel like, oh my God, there's so much stuff and I definitely do not need all of these clothes and mm -hmm. all of these sentimental pieces I was mentioning earlier. So uh, I cannot even imagine what it must be like for someone who's older. You know, now it starts to make sense uh, why my, my grandma who has, you know, this really like big two level apartment all to herself, 
right? With so much stuff and like thousands of books. And if it were up to her, she would just like throw it out all, all together. So now I can finally like empathize with her on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on a more serious note, Lucy, obviously um, this past year has been quite something. And as a result, most of us have to work from home now. I, for example, I'm not expecting to return to my office until July. How can I or, you know, folks in, in our mid to, to, to late 20s, how can we set up a great workspace at home? Sure. So I think you're already approaching the question a great way, which is how do I set up a workspace? And I really do think it's important to set up a dedicated workspace that's for work and only work. I mean, everything is blurring together in life right now. You know, like our, our work time and our personal time, they're all just a big melange of craziness. And it really helps you compartmentalize and take back some control over your time when you can use, again, use that physical environment to enforce what you want to do. So say you want to have demarcated work hours. They don't have to be nine to five. I mean, this is a brave new world. You can work whenever you want, but say you want to be able to walk away from work at some point during the day and just leave that behind and enjoy your personal life. Well, having a space that you can physically get up and leave is super important. So it can be anything from, you know, if you have a spare room, convert it to a, an office. Of course, that's a great idea that most people in their 20s probably can't do. <laughs> so so even some, something like creating a mobile workstation. So say you have a tray with your laptop, keyboard, a um, couple of files you need, some pens, a notepaper, but you keep it all in this tray or this container so that when your workday is done, you close that laptop, you close that container, you put it away, and suddenly your workspace is gone. You've left it. So I think it's really, really important for people to really create a standalone workspace, whether it's a room, whether it's a desk in a room, whether it's just a mobile workstation that you can move around your apartment. I will say I really strongly encourage people not to work from bed. <laughs> I think it, it, it's, so, it's so tempting, right? Because you're already there and it's comfy. Um, but it just may, helps work take over your life that much more. And you'll, you'll sleep so much better when you don't do that. So I try and encourage people to take work away from the bedroom, if at all possible. Yeah, I, I love that in theory. But yeah, like you're saying, <laughs> for a lot of folks our age, not that feasible. I have a tiny, tiny room because, you know, I'm, I'm sharing my apartment with two other girls. So um, I have a mm -hmm. tiny room, which I really love my room. It's really cozy and everything. But yeah, you know, during the pandemic, when I started working from home, my my room turned from, you know, previously being only my bedroom into my bedroom and office, uh, gym as well, mm -hmm. um, partially living room slash uh, dining room as well, because that's be real. Sometimes you just <laughs> want to eat in bed while watching Netflix. Um, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> and, and honestly, like super, super guilty of the whole working from from bed um, situation. Uh, that's definitely something I, I, I have to work on. But I, I do agree with what you're saying earlier about, you know, creating separate spaces, because what has helped me a lot, at least because my room is so small and you know, have a tiny desk, at least like closing my work laptop and putting mm -hmm. it away at the end of the day. So that's out of my sight. That has helped me a lot because I don't want to be reminded of like work 24-7, especially not in, in my own like private space. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, 
So <laughs> you're mentioning at the beginning that, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that people make is, is they get their, their um, organizing products early on because they think that will do the magic, right? But that's actually, yeah. you know, the, the last step people should, should take according to your approach, Lucy. But let's talk about some, some organizing products. Um, what are some of your favorite products, especially for younger people who are on a budget and who might be living in smaller spaces? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's important to optimize what you have. So it's to me, like the simpler the solution, the better. So for example, I love using drawer dividers. Anywhere you have a drawer, it could be in your desk, it could be in your kitchen, it could be in your bathroom. Anywhere that you have a drawer, you can just get really simple little dividers. You can get them kind of anywhere, anywhere from Walmart to Amazon to, you know, they have nicer ones at the container store, but you don't have to spend a lot of money. And that just keeps everything sort of separated so you can see everything. The important thing with organization is to be able to see your stuff so you can use it. So if you pull open this drawer and it's just this like mishmash of stuff, it's really visually overwhelming and it's going to be harder to find what you're looking for. And it's also going to not make you want to open that drawer to even look for something in the first place, because you don't like that feeling of that sort of visual impact of going, Oh God, this is really crazy. Every time you open that drawer. So I really love using drawer dividers and they are available at a wide variety of price points. Um, some, some other stuff that I like, something I use in multiple rooms also is a shelf riser. And so what this is, is just a little piece of metal that creates like a shelf on a shelf, essentially. So if you're in a space where, you know, you obviously, you don't have a custom closet, you don't have custom built-ins, you, you can't move anything around and you just have kind of weirdly shaped shelves, a shelf riser just gives you a little extra shelf space by, by basically doubling that, that that vertical space. So I love using those. I use those in closets. I use those in bathrooms. I use those in kitchens, like everywhere. They, they're really great. So it's the simple stuff. Honestly, if, if, if somebody's trying to sell you something because it's going to solve all your problems for this one specific situation, I'm highly skeptical of that. I really like the things that work really well in multiple areas of the home. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, and so we're coming up on, on, on time, Lucy, but we're already talking about, um, you know, some of your clients telling you how they feel like after reorganizing the living space, it feels like as if, you know, a major weight has been lifted mm -hmm. off their shoulders, which is amazing. And, you know, going back to, to this crazy year of 2020 and the pandemic, Investing more time in self-care has been absolutely crucial for me during this pandemic. And I know it has been really, really important to so many other people out there. And for me personally, I was able to establish a whole new morning routine, which now I don't want to live without anymore, um, even though, you know, in the past I wouldn't consider myself to be um, a morning person at all. But now I actually enjoy getting up two hours before to just invest that time in, in my physical and mental health. So absolute game changer for me. So I'm just curious, Lucy, how can someone incorporate organizing into their self-care routine? Sure. Um, it's definitely a, a habit change thing. And I think thinking about it as a new routine is a really, a really productive way to think about it. So there, it's just little things to sort of shift your mindset. So I always tell my clients, when in doubt, do it now. So you get up, 
you, you know, go splash some water on your face, you maybe start to make your coffee, and that's a really good time to make your bed because you're right there. So when in doubt, do it now. Um, and little things like, so you've just finished up a meal and you're going to go put your dishes in the sink. Well, you're right there. When in doubt, do it now. Wash your dishes. Put them away. Um, it's it's It sounds so basic, and I'm sure that people are rolling their eyes and being like, well, of course, but I don't want to do that. That's such a drag. But it, it's the way I think about it is I... I tell my clients, think about giving a gift to future you. Future you is going to be so pumped when you walk into the kitchen the next morning and there's no dirty dishes anywhere. It's it's a much better way to start your day. So instead of thinking of daily organizing and tidying habits as drudgery or useless or a waste of your time, instead think about giving a gift to future you and about the experience you're going to have in a world where those things have been done. Mm, I I I love that, and I totally agree. It's it's the small things like making your bed or putting away dishes right away. It's not like huge changes that you have to make. Um, you know, one one day you wake up and be like, oh, now I have to reorganize everything. Right? It's it's really the small things that can then add up, but have a huge positive impact on your, on your routines, on your self-care, on your mental health. So um, yeah, I, I definitely noticed that for me, if there is one thing I have to do in the morning, it's making my bed because mm -hmm. making your bed, you know, the rest of your room can look super, super messy, but when your bed is made, it, it looks so much better automatically and like vice versa, like the the rest of your room can be super, super clean and like tidy. But when your bed is not made, it makes the entire room just look unpleasant, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. There are three things that if people can stay on top of, they probably won't get to a point where the house is more messy than they can deal with. And those things are dishes, laundry and mail. If you can keep on top of those three things, you are most of the way there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Lucy, you got to tell you laundry. Uh, that's, um, yeah, literally my my least favorite chore. Sometimes it's just, you know, for me, it's not even putting it in, in the washing machine and in the dryer. You know, it's putting it away, right? Like sometimes I would just like do two to three loads of laundry, then would just like sit in my hamper, like, you know, clean clothes in my hamper for two to three weeks until I finally put it away. And once that time comes around, I have to do like a whole new load of laundry, right? So it just adds uh, up. And um, yeah, I mean, fold, folding stuff. I mean, you know, people in their 20s, I don't feel like any of us are, are even like ironing their clothes anymore. Like people who are ironing <laughs> their clothes, those are like aliens to me because like, uh -huh. I, you know, even putting it away is such a hassle to me. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so definitely need to get on top of that. But um, yeah, no, well, well, look, Lucy, this has been such a fun and interesting conversation. Thank you so, so much for joining me today. Um, I have learned a lot from you and I'm sure the same applies to all of our listeners. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Jimena. It's been really fun talking to you. I, I love talking to people who don't consider themselves like a typical professional organizing client. Um, that's Those are the most interesting projects, the most interesting um, people to talk to to me. So this has been really fun. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thank you again for pitching. This has been great. <laughs> 
And that concludes our show. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Since this podcast is a free resource to you all, I would really appreciate it so much if you left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and shared FemHive with all the women in your life. The more reviews, subscribers, and downloads we have, the more amazing guests I'm able to invite and the more value I can give back to you. So trust me, this is in your own best interest. I would also love to hear your key takeaways from this episode. So please tag me on Instagram or DM me and follow fem.hive for more adulting tips and inspirational content for female young professionals. Make sure to also check out femhive.com for more valuable resources. I hope you tune in again next week. Until then, take care, ladies.